everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of the USL. We have a show tonight. <laughs> We're going to be recapping uh, the loss to Cincinnati, kind of a, a tough loss to swallow, I think, for, for some fans. Uh, we're going to obviously highlight another player this week, as that has continued to be a very popular segment. Uh, we have a mystery interview coming up. Uh, we're going to talk to, or we're going to talk about uh, the lawsuit that NASL has uh, filed against the USSF, and we're going to make some predictions for the US Open Cup tomorrow night. Joining me tonight, as always, I'm going to introduce the best one first. That's Bill TNJ. Hello, Mr. Bill. Hey Joe, how you doing? I'm doing just fine. I'm hoping that that made Anthony stew just even a little bit. Because uh, no, no, because <laughs> I, 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 I have to agree. Like, I can feel I the rage through our no, no rage. I can feel it. Wait, uh, no rage. Are you saying that you agree with me that Bill is the best? I, I, I do. Bill, Bill is the best. Well, I agree with you, sir. This is the first time in history that you guys are uh, agreeing on something. I think. I, I, oh, oh, God. I will say uh, there is some kind of misconception that Anthony and I do not agree on most things. And he is wrong uh, generally when he tries to get into, you know, the finer points. <laughs> but uh, we do agree from time to time. I think that's oh, true. Uh, I didn't even get to introduce you yet. You just jumped all over it. It's Anthony Merced of NYC Soccer World. Hello, Anthony. Hello. <laughs> Can't even wait to start uh, firing back at me, can you, Anthony? Because you, because you, because you were throwing vibes. You throwing vibes <laughs> on the word "go" before you even introduced me. So I had to get in there and defend myself. All right, all right. I think I think it's it's well uh, uh, merited, warranted. I don't know. One of those things. Uh, I think merited is not a word. Uh, that, well, there you go. It can't be that then. I'm a writer. Uh, the three of us were in the same building this weekend at at Red Bull Arena. We got to uh, combine our our forces, and uh, per usual, that meant uh, disaster for the team. <laughs> so maybe it wasn't a disaster, but they didn't win. Uh, and I'm going to blame it on you, Anthony. You haven't been there in a while. They've been doing very well. You come back. Look what happens. And it was only their second scoreless draw of the season. And for a Jesse Marsh team, especially Jesse Marsh Red Bull team, that doesn't happen all that often. No, it does not. It was a, a tough result. And that is the second scoreless draw at home, I believe, right? We were discussing that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was rough. <sighs> all right, let's talk about an even rougher game. Um, I don't see it necessarily in that that light, but... I'm sure that there will be some pushback on that. This team lost 4-2 to FC Cincinnati. Uh, it sounds like it was more lopsided than I think it really truly was. Um, not uh, not the best game from um, uh, the Montclair Miners, as uh, I think we can all agree. But I don't think that it was maybe the you know apocalyptic result that it, it kind of looks like on the surface. Um Despite the scoreline, they dominated possession, uh, sixty-five to thirty-five. They outpassed uh, by over two hundred passes. Um, they outshot Cincinnati by uh, two to one, so it was eighteen to nine. They outtackled them twenty-three to nineteen. But where Cincinnati prevailed was they put the ball in the net, and you know a lot of those goals came from outside the box. One was a free kick, um, and two were just these brilliant shots that you know what what can you do with Rafi Diaz you're sitting back there uh, facing these 
On the plus side, uh, Florian Velo did get his name on the score sheet again and did a good job, I thought, throughout the match. Uh, but this was a tough one, for sure. Anthony, I'm sure that you have something to say about this. I have a lot to say about this game. <laughs> I, I, I don't care about stats. I don't care about possession. I don't care about passing. The only thing that matters is whether or not you can put the ball in the back of the net. And they could not do that in this game. Um, they... You know, yes, all of those uh, three of those goals came from outside the box. The only goal that I will say was one that you can't blame on this defense was the free kick. But Corbin Bones goal ball comes down to him. He's given time to settle it and wind up for a shot while everyone's just staring at him. And then the Austin Berry goal is just it's it's bad marking on, on a corner kick. It's just like. They did not play well defensively. They didn't pass well in the middle of the field early in the game. They were constantly coughing up the ball. It was ping pong in the middle of the field between both of those teams being horrible passing the ball in the middle of the field. This was not a good game for them. And uh, normally they they play really well in front of big, quote unquote, hostile crowds. And they did not in this one at all. Uh, I I do not agree fully with your assessment. I think that if you're going to if I I do think they should have been pressuring a little bit better on the the two goals from the top of the box. Um but if you're going to if you're going to let someone shoot, that's where you're going to let them shoot from is those positions. And you have no business letting them shoot. Okay, if it's a, if it's a volley, if, if like the guy just swings his foot at it before it hits the ground, sure. You don't have to you don't have time to 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 prepare for that. He brought the ball down. And had one of the slowest windups for a shot, and they're just staring at him. And just like, okay, Nick, you got it. You got to You have time to get in a position. You know where this ball is going. Put your body out in front of it. And then the third goal, they just dribble. I can't remember who scored the the third goal, but um, whoever it was in Cincinnati dribbles by like two guys before taking the shot. And I'm just like, come on, like you you can't let that happen. You just you just can't. I think I think the way that the Red Bulls were approaching the game uh, in in this instance was that they were they were they were looking at it as don't let Cincinnati in the box no matter what you do. So they were kind of trying to to just keep them to the perimeter and not let them get any dangerous chances and that kind of backfired. They dared they dared Cincinnati to to beat them from outside and they did. Uh, I compared it to an NBA game uh, this weekend where you clog up the middle and say, okay, come at me, bro. And uh, they did. <laughs> and it didn't end well for them, for sure. Um, I thought the other thing that Cincinnati did very well, and one of the things that, that kind of made it tough for the Red Bulls, was they played this uh, very physically. They they got stuck in on a number of challenges, and you know we've talked about that in the past with this team that they're very young. Some of them are a bit undersized, so when you you come at them uh, so physically to just kind of gum up the game and break their rhythm, it can be very effective. And Cincinnati did a very good job uh, of doing that here. Yeah, they did, and um, they were way too predictable in that in that sense that. You could do that, and they didn't do enough. Actually, they, there were points in this game when they did do exactly what they needed to do, make darting runs, use their speed because they were a faster team. Junior Flemings looked good at times, um, getting you know making really smart runs. Florian Velo's goal, I mean, that was a really great, I don't want to call it a trick shot because that, that's kind of like an insult, but like the uh, the, the corner, the, whatever it was, it wasn't a short corner, but a pass instead of a cross into the box, I thought was, was brilliant. But like they... They needed to do more of that in this game. Instead, 
they decided to engage. They were drawn into a physical game when they really should have uh, kept it more. Um, they should have kept it more of a speed and finesse game, and they couldn't do that. Well, I thought to some degree they did try to keep that happening. And if not for Mitch Hildebrandt, uh, who had a very, very good game, they could have been up a couple goals at halftime. Uh, Andrew Tenari had a really nice shot from outside early in the, in the match. You mentioned that kind of short corner that Velo got on. Uh, but they, they were tricky. They, they kept things kind of moving in, the, in, the, um, in Cincinnati's half. Uh, but, you know, a, a couple of, of goals, one off of a set piece and one off of sort of a follow-up from a set piece, and it, it killed them, you know? Uh, I'm not ready to jump all over them for this result. Um, but it, Plus, it, was the it's, last, it's not... It was the last home... Right. It yeah. was the last home match for Cincinnati. They're playing in That's front of Cincinnati a huge crowd. Too. So I think that had a little bit to do with it, too. Yeah. You know, they definitely had that extra little fire lit underneath them. And they weren't holding back at all. That's why you're the best, Bill, because you read the situation the for more than what it what it is just on the surface. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike this Anthony. I'm just fella. trying to piss Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> we can't gang up on him. I feel like that wouldn't be fair. Um Trust me, you're gonna you're gonna have to come with a whole crew. <laughs> um, but uh, Rafi Rafi Diaz in this, in this match, I know that you know those are very well placed shots, but you, I think you could make the argument that maybe he didn't have the best positioning, or he was a little bit slow to react to some of these things. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season, I think by far uh, Rafi was the number one on this team. I'm not sure if I think that anymore. I think uh, the way that Loro has played over the last month, he might have uh, started to pass Rafi at this point. What do you think? I agree with that. Um, I, I think that he he had the chance. It was there for the taking, the number one spot. And um, what, what's even more telling to me is that he hasn't been a leader in, in on the back. Like He hasn't been a general back there. The way uh, we saw from Ryan Mara last year, even anything near that, um, and he's—he's—you can kind of tell that he's questioning himself a bit at at moments. He looks a bit tentative when he comes out for balls, and not too sure wh- where to stand in the box. Uh, He—he's very athletic, so he will make some really great saves. I really don't blame him for any of the shots really um, that that beat him in this game. But at the same time, I think he needs to be more assertive uh, with with his backline, and we're just not seeing that from him. Bill, what do you think? Is is Diaz? I mean, we talked about it um, a couple weeks ago of, of guys who you know you would or you would be surprised might be gone in this off season. Is Diaz playing himself off the team? I just think that Evan Laurel has been playing so well, and he's been warming up to the position. He's been playing so good that you know it's hard when you're on the bench so much for Diaz so he hasn't had enough playing time this season and this game is hard too because those shots from outside the box I don't know if really it, I don't know if it would have made a difference if we had Evan Loro in goal either because some of those shots were pretty awesome shots and they were like right underneath the crossbar so it's hard to say yeah, I, I guess I could see that. But at the same time, I think the number of matches that Diaz played this year is comparable to what he played last year. I am not looking at the numbers in terms of uh, games played for for either. Uh, but I'm guessing just because Mara played the majority of the matches last year that, that Diaz similarly had to come off the bench and, and just seemed more comfortable last, last year, maybe more confident. 
Good analysis, guys. <laughs> oh, jeez. I realized after I didn't say, like, hey, one of you react. But it's just going to be silence. Proven right. Okay. Let's talk man of the match. Uh, who you got? Anthony. I'm going to go with Florian Velo. Had a great run and a goal. Um, looked good in the game, I thought, uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Mr. Bill? I think we're all going to go with Florian. Uh, I, just because he had, he had a great game. and Yeah. I have to agree with the two of you. It was definitely Florian Velo. Um, he's a guy that I think... You know, we over the last couple of weeks we talked about how he really struggled at the beginning of the season. Maybe we were worried that uh, his development had halted or regressed some, but he has definitely turned it on in the last couple of weeks. And that leads very nicely into this next segment, uh, our player highlight. And who are we going to talk about? But the goal scorer himself, Mr. Florian Velo. He could play left wing. He could play right wing. He could play center attacking mid. He could play striker. Uh, any any of those front four spots he's i think comfortable in um he might be a little undersized to be you know an everyday striker but he certainly can fill in and we saw that at the beginning of the season as well i think um look if if he can make good runs um a guy like chicharito's made an entire career off of things like that so it's yet you have to know how to work with the with the size that you got that's very very true uh anthony uh one quality for florian velo Um, put me on the spot there. Um, I, I'm going to say his intelligence and his runs. Um, he's a, he's he's got he's got really good speed. But it, wait, did you say something? Nope. Oh, okay. Sorry, I got some feedback. Um, <laughs> a, he he makes smart runs in the box uh, that aren't just hey breakneck speed. I'm going to run at net. Really knows where to put himself. So his uh, his IQ is 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 really one of his uh, better attributes. Uh, Bill, if you're going to pick out or single out one quality for Florian Velo, what would it be? I would say for me, it's uh, his header game has been really, really stepping up this season. I, I think that's very fair. And it kind of goes hand in hand with those making those smart runs. And for a small guy to uh, to be good with his head um, is maybe not remarkable because there's a number of uh, smaller players like Dax McCarty or Connor Lade uh, who uh, have been known to control the ball well with their head. But as a forward, that can be a very tricky uh, proposition, especially having to go up against uh, bigger guys in the box. Uh, for me, uh, it's his nose for, for goal in general. I think, you know, a lot of young guys are very tentative when they get the ball around the net. Uh, Florian generally is looking uh, to get that first touch to put him in a good position to take a shot or to to uh, dish to a teammate um, and it, it's refreshing to see from from a player uh, at this level who hasn't had a ton of um, uh, a time with like a senior team somewhere in MLS you know even if they're as a bench player or just another league so to see a young guy who's coming up and uh, confident enough to to try to make that first move to to create space and to help create a goal it's a it's a very good thing and obviously these players are not complete yet so uh, i need one negative for him something that he needs to improve on anthony uh that's hard Dude, all these hard questions today um i would say <laughs> that it's um 
Oh, I am I am hearing feedback on, on one of your guys. Anyway, um, I would say that he what he needs to do is work on his defensive side of the ball, uh, tracking back a bit more, um, considering the fact they've been playing him more as a midfielder than a winger. Although if they're going to play him as a winger a lot more, maybe that doesn't matter. I think that's very fair. Bill, what do you think? It's it's really hard to say, but if I had to pick one thing that could improve a little bit, I would definitely say his his runs. If he could work on his runs a little bit more up to the goal. Okay. But even then, I mean, it's really not that bad. But for me, uh, one thing. Hard, that Joe. I, it's hard to pick something bad about the. Game. I know because he he's been playing very very well. One thing that I do see from him though, uh, and this is something that we've seen from. Yeah, a number of players uh, within this team, what as young players, we've seen this with Sean Davis as well. He has a tendency at times, if things start to not go his way, to kind of drift out of games, and you know you don't hear anything from him for for a little while. And so I'd like to see that improve, where he stays locked in, he doesn't let the mistakes compile, uh, not compile, compound, and he just. Uh, stays focused uh, and continues to kind of want to get the ball and want to get himself uh, into a rhythm and um, combine with his teammates. Uh, Okay, Uh, last one. Is this a guy uh, that you see playing either with the senior team or just in MLS in general one day? Anthony. Absolutely. I think that he's got all the makings of a, a really, really good MLS player. Um, maybe not necessarily a star, but definitely a top-level role player for a team. Bill, I'll give you a harder question. Is this going to be with the New York Red Bulls? I would say there's no question about it, because with the way that things have been going and the amount of players that the Red Bulls' first team has over the past year and a half, I would say that's, that's, that's definitely no question about it. He'll definitely be moved up to the first team. Okay. Okay. I I I think that I will agree with both of you. I think that uh, we've heard Jesse kind of you know speak well about uh, Florian in the past. I think he might have been on the cusp of the the senior team this coming this uh, previous season or this current season. I don't know. Uh, my head is doing some kind of somersaults right now. Uh, but you know it didn't really work out, uh, and he stayed with the the two teams. So I could definitely see that happening in the future. But it's it's kind of hard too because if you look at you know like Dan Metzger, he's moved up to the first team, but he hasn't had too many opportunities so far. True, very very true. Uh, okay, we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, the interview, two interviews. All right, stick around. we're back for the second part of the show so this part of the show is different from normal i'm gonna be running it and i get to interview joe and anthony so who knows uh what's gonna happen everything's on the table tonight so i would be prepared guys i would uh be a little bit scared what have i done that's joe he's already scared (laughs) (laughs) all right so joe i know people on twitter are dying to know a lot of people probably have already been talking about this but why do you hate popcorn so much Oh, well, this is a very easy answer. It is because um, the smell of popcorn to me, uh, especially movie theater popcorn, smells exactly like sweaty feet. And the idea of wanting, <laughs> the idea of wanting to eat sweaty what? feet 
uh, have you ever like? Me. Have you ever smelled sweaty feet? Uh, yes, clearly I have smelled sweaty feet because it smells I, like I buttered my, popcorn. My my other question of follow with that is, how does the smell of salt and butter? Like if you're in a movie theater, right, and you can put your own butter on your popcorn, how does that smell like smelly feet? Okay, so the smell of salt, I think, uh, in sweaty feet uh, speaks for itself because there's a tremendous amount of saline content in salt. Uh, in oh, sweat. God damn. Uh, but, it's getting very scientific. But the, uh, the like sort of like rancid smell of movie theater popcorn butter that is just in those machines forever – and kind of like you can never really clean the sludge out of them. There's always like a little bit of that that will stay in there and continue to just percolate in the hot butter system that they have. Uh, it is very reminiscent of, of the way that, that shoes start to, to funk up. So, yeah, that, that's my answer to that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty serious. Since you're talking about sludge and machines, uh, since we're on this topic – how do you feel about soft serve ice cream? Oh, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> I don't have any problems with soft serve ice cream. Have you seen Come this, on. Have you seen the How size of How can you not eat popcorn, but then you'll go to McDonald's and get, you know, uh, whoa, whoa, whatever whoa, whoa, it's whoa. called there, some soft serve ice cream? I'm not going to McDonald's to get some soft serve ice cream. I'm getting ice cream from, like, the fancy local uh, ice creamery, uh, depending on where I'm living at the time. Uh, and, I mean, look at the size of me. You think I don't like soft serve? Come on. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Dairy Queen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wait, are you calling me Dairy Queen or that are we going there? I'm saying that you're going to Dairy Queen. Damn right I am. <laughs> and I think New York City FC, Anthony, actually has a soft serve ice cream machine in their in their press food. They area. do. They they have the what I like to call the John Sterling soft serve machine. <laughs> Because uh, there was a story that I read years ago in the old Yankee Stadium. Um, I never got to be in that press box, but they, uh, John Sterling would come in and put his finger in the ice cream and taste it. <laughs> I guess they would have it like out like in, in like a cold bucket or something. And he would come in there and pretty much like dip a finger in during the commercial breaks. From what I heard. Ugh. Wow. That's quite interesting. So now, since we're getting back to Yankee Stadium, uh, you know where they play soccer on the baseball field. Anyway, Joe, did you play soccer growing up? I surely did. I was on a number of teams. I got to the travel level, uh, and just before high school started, I was like, "I'm going to rebel against all of this because my father wants me to play." And I was like, "I'm not playing anymore. Take that, Dad!" And realized what a foolish move that was. <laughs> Years later, um, but yeah, no, I loved playing soccer, and I went back to it uh, as an adult to lose weight right before um, uh, my first daughter Elizabeth was born, uh, and played until I got a concussion and a job, and that was Ouch. pretty much the end of that. I hate concussions. What position did you play? I could see you playing goalkeeper. I don't know why, but I, I was a goalkeeper, but I was also a striker. I did the two. That's how I got the wow. concussion. Was I was playing as a striker. I went up to challenge for a ball, and uh, my friend, uh, who I mentioned on the show having been in a motorcycle accident a couple of weeks ago, uh, was playing goalkeeper. I went over the top of him and landed on the back of my Ouch. head. It sounds like it hurt. I don't know really. I don't remember it at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had quite a few too many concussions. Anthony, did you play growing up at all? 
I did not. I actually played uh, baseball up through high school. Did you troll people that played soccer when you were playing baseball? No, we had an awful soccer team. I went to um, an all-boys Catholic high school in the Bronx, and uh, we had a soccer team, the All Hallows Gales, and they um, they did not do well. There was actually a really classic story. Um, our calculus teacher was our head coach, and well, not our, I mean ours for our school. I wasn't on the team, but a friend of mine um, didn't know anything about offsides, even though he was playing on the soccer team, and ran for a pass while being completely offsides um, with our coach running alongside him, yelling, you're offside, you're offside. <laughs> and he finally touched the ball. And yeah, they, they backed their way into a playoffs, having not won a single game for the entire season. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of playoff system allows a team that had never won a game into uh, the final tournament? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's everybody's it's, a winner, Joe. Everybody's a it's, winner. It's it's Catholic um, Catholic school um, sports. Things get weird. Fair enough. Fair. There was only three Catholic schools, so they they couldn't. They had to have every team in the tournament. Everybody's got to be in the playoffs. It had to be everybody four, so everybody could play each other. Okay. I do know that I did injure a kid in um, on the baseball field that um, was on the soccer team for Xavier High School um, was not my intention. I slid into second base, and um, he didn't get out of the way, and I, I cleated him pretty hard. <laughs> Yikes. There's a nice red card right there. Yeah. Well, in, in, in baseball, it's, well, you know, either, you know, get out of the way or, or, or get the hit. I, I played baseball growing up, too, and I actually got a concussion because I got hit in the eye with a ball oh. when I was up to bat. I got nailed in I, the eyeball. I got beamed in the head once, too. It was not good. No, I was out. I was out like Joe, and the next thing I know, I'm sitting up straight <laughs> on the ground and in the hospital. And Yeah, I think that might have been the end of baseball for me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys follow any soccer teams growing up? I'll let you go first, Anthony. Go ahead. I did. I um I got cable in 1994, um, and at that time, you know, perusing through ESPN early in the morning, um, I discovered Manchester United and the gloriousness of um, the Fergie's fledglings team. So I watched a lot of uh, the Nevilles and um, David Beckham, Ryan Giggs during uh, Nicky Butt, all those guys during during that time. Um, was my first team back at, back then you had pretty much three options. You were either a Liverpool fan an Arsenal fan or a United fan. Um, and you got only maybe the, the marquee game. So like four games a season on ESPN around that time. So that was my introduction before MLS, uh, started. And I, I watched some of the 94 world cup. I was definitely not an avid fan at that time. Uh, I was playing, but I was not watching it on TV. Um, and, uh, from that, I kind of learned a lot about uh, who was on the U.S. national team. The um, My great-grandmother's neighbor worked at the hotel they were staying at when they were in New Jersey and uh, managed to get me a postcard that had, like, everyone from that team sign it. And so, like, from there, as they kind of spread out and MLS formed, uh, I kind of followed those players around uh, in terms of, like, where they ended up, uh, but focused everything uh, on the Metro Stars because, 
local team. That was the first ever soccer game or professional soccer game I went to. Uh, and before like any of that really, or I guess kind of at the same time, I was also going to a lot of Rutgers soccer games. So I saw, you know, guys who did end up in MLS like Rob Johnson, um, later on John Conway, uh, just like a lot of, uh, of maybe not, not top flight players like Josh Gross and, and Billy Walsh and, um, you know, those kinds of guys. But, uh, Metro Stars were my first team, and I followed them avidly. I got into other teams via the sports video games that I was playing. So I was really into Bayern Munich. Uh, watching uh, Klinsman in the 94 World Cup, I was like enamored with his ability. So I tried to, to follow him as much as I could. But, you know, like Anthony said, there wasn't a whole lot that you could do on the TV to, to watch those games. So it was tough. Darn, you stole my question. I was going to ask you the first game you went to, but you stole that one. Do you still have that postcard that you got signed? Yeah, that is in uh, – well, I'm not going to tell you where my mother lives, but it is in her – Where is it? We're going to steal it. Where is it? It's in her safe uh, at my childhood home. That's awesome. Anthony, how about you? What was the first game that you went to? It took me a long time to get out to watch an MLS game. Um, I actually – went to my first game was actually at old trafford in 2011 20 no 2012 wow um and i went to see manchester united play tottenham i saw clint dempsey score a goal against united um and then that same year i might have my dates wrong here but i i ventured out to red bull arena for the first time i'd always watched the team um you know over the years i was more of an english football fan than i was a mls fan up until around that time and i saw i was there for the first time that the new york red bulls played um the montreal impact and thierry Henry scored a hat trick at red bull arena yeah it was a crazy game yeah i yeah. think my first rebels game was in 2012 too i remember one of the first games i went to is Henri, and he got that goal from the corner i guess the columbus crew where he got the corner kick goal that was awesome you guys are such noobs holy moly <laughs> Show your first game, pretty much the most seasoned Reed? person. Yeah, I never got we to see watching. the Metro Stars play a giant stadium. I oh, mean, man. I would have loved to go now, you know, just thinking about it. But yeah, my first game was 2012. Now, I didn't, and they were long into Red Bull Arena. I didn't, I only paid like a little, like, I wasn't so avid, uh, from like I would say 96 to about 2004 just because I was a child, <laughs> you know? So I would keep, like, I would watch games, and I would keep an eye on, like, the standings and the stats and so forth. Uh, and then once that I was able to start going to games uh, myself, like, I was grown, I could drive myself, uh, I had money to actually buy tickets, then I was going all the time. I got my first season tickets in um, 2006. I bought them when they were the Metro Stars, <laughs> uh, wow. and then they played that season as the Red Bulls. <laughs> So you probably have some old Metro Stars gear then. Oh, yes. I have a Billy Walsh game-worn jersey. It's one of my uh, my uh, prized possessions. Damn, because that Metro Stars gear is so hard to find, you can't find it anywhere. I got some. I don't have a lot, but I do have some. I have a penny from the 96 season that has a taxi on it uh, that says Metro <laughs> Stars. and has like, the skyline that. in the background. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. How did you, Joe, how did you venture into writing? Oh, okay. So <laughs> as a as a MLS fan in the early 2000s, 
there was literally no one to talk to in my life other than like my father and my uncle uh, who I attended games with. Uh, but I had all these things that I wanted to say. And so I started uh, my own blog. Uh, and I want to say it was in 2009. It might have been in 2008 uh, called Cut the Bull. And I wrote there for a while, uh, got very little traction uh, and kind of like gave up because I wasn't one. I wasn't getting uh, v- people were not looking at what I was writing uh, and I just got lazy about it. So like if there's not an audience there and, and no one's going to really you know, cry when you leave. You just kind of walk away. I picked it up a couple times after that, uh, but it was same kind of issue where I would just kind of fall out of it. Then in 2014, the summer of 2014, uh, Russ McKenzie reached out on Twitter saying like, hey, if you want to write for, about the Red Bulls for Last Word on Sports, apply here. And uh, the rest is kind of history. Yeah, Russ did the same thing for me too with... Uh the photos because i was working with russ at the time he's like hey i know you take photos do you want to photograph man city and liverpool at yankee stadium and i was like sure and that's what started it for me too so thanks russ for getting us into soccer because Thank uh, yeah thanks russ it was nice to see him over the weekend too at the game yeah it was weird everybody was there <laughs> it really was it was like a family reunion anthony how'd you get started in writing and writing in the soccer world Oh, yeah. Um, I was writing for uh, – I had a bunch of Tumblr pages at the time, and I was just writing – Tumblr? I was writing People a, still use that Tumblr? No, no, they don't. <laughs> I, was, I, I was probably the last person on it at the time, and I was mainly writing about Manchester United, and at that time around 2012, late 2012, early 2013, um, the New York Cosmos came back, and I – wrote a few pieces about them on my own blog and then found out about um, uh, This is Cosmos Country, which at the time was being run by um, the Burrow Boys and uh, Cesar Diaz. I reached out to him and said, hey, I've got a bunch of articles, um, you know, not asking for any money, but uh, would you mind me tossing them over to you? I did that for a while. He got me into um, into Hofstra, into games in Hofstra, which was awesome. Uh, got to do early interviews um, in season one. Got some great photos. That I have a ton of photos from the first game that they came back uh, against the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, which was really cool. And at, at another point, because I, I wasn't really locked in, um, I, ha- I was writing more than just um, recaps and stuff. I found out about Empire Soccer, and I just found their contact email and emailed Dave Martinez and was like, dude, do you want these articles? Not asking for any money. And he was like, sure, I'll take a look at them. Started putting them up. Uh, but I didn't become a member of Empire Soccer really until the Red Bull 2 season because I called Dave and I said, um, hey, uh, the Cosmos don't have a TV deal at the time. They, they were on MSG Network for that first year and then um, then they didn't have a TV deal at all. And I said, um, why don't I cover the Red Bull 2 team? And he was like, are you sure you want to do that? Like, no one's going to watch these games. <laughs> and uh, I was like, well, you know, I can't cover the Cosmos because um, when they're on the road, they're, they're just not on TV. And he's like, sure, you know, you're part of the team. And that turned into um, – and then I, I, I do have to admit something here. I, I, I sharked the Red Bull beat off of Russ McKenzie. <laughs> <laughs> here it is. You heard it here first, folks. So, 
so I, I had always like pestered Dave and being like, look, dude, if, 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 if a spot opens up, like I'm totally there. Um, and every now and then, you know, Russ would be busy and Dave would be like, do you want to like take this day or whatever? And then, um, I noticed on Facebook at one point that Russ was, um, I can't remember for what reason, but, uh, he, he was saying that, you know, he was taking a break from writing and I instantly texted Dave. I was like, so the beat, the, the beats open. And he responded back with the poster image from Jaws. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, he, he, he gave it to me on a, on a trial basis and I ended up keeping it up until I, um, separated from them, uh, this, this past year. Wow. That's, That's a shame. <laughs> yeah. That's quite I, I don't even story. I don't even think Russ knows that. And so he, this is, he's probably going to find out that, um, I mean, I didn't like, you know, undermine him or anything, but I was, I was definitely circling the waters when I knew that he was maybe, uh, getting out of the business for a little bit. Yeah. Well, if he listens to this interview, it's actually more stories about Russ McKenzie's than it is just a general <laughs> interview. <laughs> it's the Russ McKenzie appreciation out. show. There we go. <laughs> So, Anthony, kind of another question wait, for wait, you, wait, too. Wait. You had we, a, we should wrap, okay, we ahead, should wrap this up because uh, okay. we're, we're Last running out of time. Yeah, good. Anthony, if you had to choose between a New York City FC game and a Red Bulls game, which one would you pick? Oh, it's, it's, it's no question it's a Red Bulls game. Um, I, I enjoy being at NYCFC games um, mainly because I'm uh, a diehard Yankees fan. Uh, so, being in the press box at Yankee Stadium is unbelievable. Uh, I, I will say though that when I started writing about these both teams, uh, while I would say that I was a Red Bull and Metro Stars fan first, I don't really find myself being a diehard fan of either team anymore. Like once you start writing about them so intensely and you start getting to know the people, um, so. I, but Red Bull Arena is unreal. Uh, it, it's a soccer stadium in New York, you know, and and you can't beat that experience at all. Awesome. All right, Joe, my interview is good to go. Found out a lot of interesting information, and uh, hopefully Russ won't come after us. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I think we've been nice enough to him in the past. <laughs> we love Russ McKenzie. That big teddy bear of a fellow. Okay, uh, great job, Bill. Uh, I think Thank you, you. You, you were very conversational, I, much more so than I am, and uh, uh, you have the job. Now you get to interview all the people all the time. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, before we wrap up, let's very quickly run through what's going on with the NASL right now. Anthony, uh, fill in the listeners who may not already know. Oh, boy. So the North American Soccer League has announced, uh, and I don't know if I've ever seen this in the history of sports, a, a press release to say you're going to sue a federation. <laughs> um, but they are um, bringing a federal antitrust lawsuit against the United States Soccer Federation, claiming that um, the division structure that USSF has put forward is unfair and the criteria is arbitrary. Um, I don't know... Is it, it is kind of arbitrary, sure. I don't know how far they're going to get on this because there is precedent with baseball and a few other leagues where antitrust um, 
laws do not apply to certain sports leagues. Like there was a lawsuit, and it's it's not coming to the top of my head, um, where uh, base major league baseball was sued, and pretty much the government just said, no, no, it's a you know they 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 can pretty much run their monopoly. Um, so that might happen here with um, considering how strong MLS is. But on the, on the other side of it too, it's, it's a really desperate attempt because even if this goes to court, that ain't happening for maybe a year and MLS can draw that out even longer and lawyer fees or something like this are very expensive. So this might just be a last gas for the NASL. Right. And well, I guess the, the connection for them is that MLS is uh, affiliated with USL, but where I'm kind of confused about this whole thing is that they were given a provisional status, right, heading into this season. And yes. they let them know what it was going to take for them to be uh, to remain a Division Two league, and they failed to meet those requirements. I, I'm not sure. It, it, yeah, it's not just that they failed the requirements. It's that they weren't making enough progress towards um, – uh, getting over some of those issues. And the USL has issues. They're not a D2 league. They don't meet the criteria. And USSF currently behind closed doors is um, holding their feet to the fire in regards to that. But they are making moves to deal with some of those issues, specifically the MLS teams um, and places like Charlotte. I don't know if, if anyone here listens to the Inverted Triangle podcast, but the um, the owners of uh, Charlotte Independence were on there, and they spoke about their constant effort of trying to get into a stadium that is a proper D2 stadium. So they're, they're making efforts to do what they need to do, but they're in a better boat right now. Um, if you were to just kick out all the MLS2 teams – there's still a more solid league than the NASL is. Well, so what are the criteria for Division Two that USL oh, did not meet? You don't know. It's okay if you don't know. Um, well, I, I think the ones off the top of my head is there. There are certain teams that don't meet the stadium requirements. Um, the uh, the it's supposed to be five thousand or more seats, I believe, um, that they're supposed to meet. Uh, some of their ownership groups uh, aren't quite as flush with cash as they want to be, as they want them to be. So they're, they're trying to get them to that point or um, shuffle them along. And I think that's why the USL D3 thing is happening. Uh, so, so that some of those owners, if they don't want to stick around, can maybe go bump down to that. Wilmington is a good example of that. They were pushed out last year. Um, Austin was pushed out, although they're coming back now that they've restructured. Phoenix almost went away before um, the uh, Kona Grill guys came in and, and made that happen. So they're... Those are the major issues that they have um, that they're trying to overcome. They've covered the time zones, uh, the, the you know having teams in, in different time zones, things of that nature. Uh, yeah, so it's really kind of um, the smaller things, stadiums and having the owners with the right amount of money. Okay. Uh, I think that that's fair. Um, I, I don't want to hark too much on that. Uh, do you think the NASL is going to be operating next year? I guess that's all I'll ask. That's up to them. I mean, they, they can operate as a D3 league. USL did it for a few years. And um, quite honestly, you don't need to be sanctioned D, D whatever to get people into a room and make money. You just need a good business plan. USL had that. USL has cornered all of the secondary markets just about in the United States and put teams in there that are quite 
that are, if not profitable, working their way towards it. And, and ASL wanted to go into the big markets. They wanted to go into New York, Miami, all these places that are really difficult nuts to crack that have other sports teams in there. Um, the business plan just wasn't there. If they come up with a better business plan, it doesn't matter what what division sanctioning they have. Okay. I, I think that's very fair. Uh, finally, I want to move on to the last uh, bit before we close out the show. Um, obviously, this is not really uh, a Red Bull 2 discussion, um, but New York Red Bulls are in the US, up, uh, US Open Cup final. Uh, the It could be the very first time in their history that they win a cup. Um, things are definitely not uh, appointed in their favor with the way that Sporting Casey has played at home, uh, how well they've played defensively, not just this year, but over the last couple of years. And of course, uh, Tim Melia is a big part of that. And just the Red Bulls in general uh, on the road at Casey have not always inspired. They did get a couple of results in recent memory, but uh, pretty few and far between. Let's get a prediction. I made mine on seeing red yesterday. I say a two to one loss for the Red Bulls to Sporting KC. Bill, who you got? Ouch, that hurts, Joe. Um, I mean, it's hard to say because Sporting Kansas City is a really strong team, and especially at home, they are probably undefeated. I would, I would guess, without knowing. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say a tie that's gonna go to a shootout, and the Rebels are gonna win. In the penalty kick shootout, three to one. Okay, uh, I think that's that's pretty good. I I think you're crazy, but uh, you know we'll see. You know, I've been called that worse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anthony, before, so. Anthony, your prediction. Um, I'm I'm gonna be super crazy here. I look the the logical person in me says they're losing three one. But I'm going to go with a 3 nothing win for the New York Red Bulls and one of their more defining moments in club history. Whoa. All Damn. right, guys. You know who to blame tomorrow night. <laughs> I'm going to blame Joe for jinxing them. Uh, all right. You know, I think like a jinx is when you say like they're going to win by a huge margin and then they let you down. But that's just me. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, if you're in the area and you want to come out and watch it with a, a, a number of Red Bull fans, um, Seeing Red is hosting a party at Bunny's in what? Which orange? Which orange is it? I think it's West Orange. In South Orange. Big fail, Bill. <sighs> Big fail, Joe, for not knowing. <laughs> <laughs> They're in South Orange. They're going to be there. Uh, I may be there. I am not undecided at this point still, um, but that'll start at 830. Um, thank you very much for, for tuning in tonight. If you want to follow us, I am at underscore Joe Goldstein. And I am at Attitude AJM. And I'm at Bill TNJ. And of course, if you want to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull. That's one bull cast. Raising Bull Cast. And that is all on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Raising Bulls. You can go to RaisingBulls.com where you can send emails. That's right, emails. We sometimes do get questions. And we have stickers, people. Remember the stickers? So send your questions to questions at RaisingBulls.com. That's questions at RaisingBulls.com, and we will get to them. You feel free to also send hate mail. I, I read some uh, mean comments to Anthony last week. I would be glad to do the same for mean comments that want to come in uh, about any of us. I would be very happy to read those on air. <laughs> uh, you can listen to us on iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. 
uh, will be there. Not Spotify, though. I don't believe we're on Spotify. Uh, anyway, um, if you listen to us there, please uh, subscribe, rate, review. It really does mean everything to us, and uh, it does help. Uh, for myself, Bill Toomey, Anthony Merced, have a very good night. Fast clapping again. You do, you do one interview, and you're clapping fast like it's your job. Done it, Joe.